This is the weekly sales meeting for January 15th, 2023. My name is Chris Fleming. You can reach me at chris at cdmediaconsulting.com or go to our website at cdmediaconsulting.com. Today's topic is leading with a boogeyman. Over 20 years ago, I led a group of broadcasters on a quest to buy their own radio operation. My company wound up owning and operating 13 radio stations. All were located in the southeastern United States. One of these operations was a long-time, family-run business. Many of the employees had been there 20 years or more. We were the new company, the outsiders. In that first year, I cannot tell you how many times I heard, this is what we've always done here. I was the head of operations for the new company. Because of the longevity of the staff, we wanted to be sure we sent the right person. Someone to lead the operation who had been through this kind of transition. We had hired an experienced general manager for this market and sent him in to transition the ownership change. Come to find out, he used a technique to manage a team that was interesting, to say the least. At the time, I didn't quite understand what he was doing. It later came into focus. He created an enemy that could be the central figure in everyone's daily routine, a focal point where they could direct their anger. It was a villain, a boogeyman of sorts, a straw man that could take all the venom off the local manager and place it where it belonged. He acted a lot like a movie director, like Sergio Leone directing the spaghetti westerns of yesteryear. He wanted to wear the white hat in the motion picture, while assigning the villain's role to someone who didn't live there and could not defend himself. It was the perfect, well-orchestrated script. Anyone who was mad at anything had an outlet they would never use. And my manager had sprayed himself with Teflon. It was not that he made any unpopular decisions. It was that punk-ass kid from the corporate office. And that kid was me. Fast forward 20 years, I understand the technique. Rally the troops for a central positive figure against another internal combatant. And this technique worked for him, as I suspect he had used it before in other situations. His team loved working for him. He came across as the central jovial figure, one who helped everyone. And it was galvanizing. It solidified the positioning, especially when he told everyone of the best thing they could do. The way to help further the operation is to keep that damn kid from calling. It was a rallying cry, a way of using the white hat versus black hat juxtaposition. It was a method to increase operational morale and build a team. The operation's performance went up, yet so too did corporate mistrust. Making my office the devil created this us-versus-them mentality. It would only reveal itself when a new person took that job. But that is a story for a different day. To say this method is right or wrong is a matter of opinion but it could be effective when one needs to work quickly to pull a team together in the short term. It may have negative consequences down the road, but by then you may be successful in rallying the troops. It could improve morale to the point that it is moot, or you run the risk of creating a toxic culture for the next person to overcome. It was former U.S. Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice who said, We need a common enemy to unite us. At the time, I may not have liked being the person with the target on his back, but I can understand the motivation and can appreciate the outcome. It also explains all the whispering in the hall when I would walk the building. The galvanizing act of having a common purpose and a common goal gives everyone a focal point and does what any good leader would want team can focus on performing or outperforming expectations. They will pull together and forget about any internal conflict, focusing instead on the external threat. It triggers the protective instincts inherent in most adult humans. When the threat of change came to this operation, it sent the masses scurrying for cover. People were looking for safety and security. They wanted to be sure they still had jobs the next day to provide for their families. In short, Maslow's hierarchy of needs kicks in. 
It could derail any operation while people fight, scratch, and claw for their survival. It takes some planning and placement to get people past uncomfortable change. Michelle Dean is a Canadian journalist. She graduated from McGill University in 2002 with a BA in history and later a law degree in 2005. She received her Master's of Law from the University of Toronto in 2011. She is the author of 2018's Sharp, the woman who made an art of having an opinion. She claims perhaps crisis forces commonality of purpose on one another. And when there is a single focal point for all that is wrong in the world, it brings people together for the betterment of the team. It quells the fears stemming from the threat to the status quo and the hierarchy of needs. American humorist Sam Levinston put it this way, the reason grandparents and grandchildren get along so well is they have a common enemy. The simple act of pointing to the outside world for the focus of any anger forces the lines to be drawn. And those lines are internal. The us-against-the-world mentality is a team-building exercise, and it seemed to work in this particular case. It brought the team together and inspired innovative ways to solve problems. It showed them that all change was not evil, but offered an opportunity. It gave people who didn't have a voice before a chance to step forward and shine. It also revealed those who had never put an oar in the water and moved the boat forward. It helped this operation transition forward. It made the cream rise to the top. It helped others in the self-selection process of not being part of the company's future plans. 90% of the group had stepped forward. There were 10% that would never be satisfied. If you look at your current situation, that is about the same as the current percentage of dissatisfaction. In the transition from the old to the new, there is a tendency to hang on to the ways of the past. They are the most comfortable. Change is not. For most, change is uncomfortable, and it is a natural tendency to resist the uncomfortable, to resist change in any form, but it is also inevitable. It is as sure as death in taxes. It is coming, and fighting it may put you on the outside looking in, wondering what happened. Whether you are leading the change or part of the team it is impacting, it is best to think about how you can make it work for you. In the transition stage, sometimes it is a good idea to refocus the energy of the group. As Frederick Nietzsche wrote, the best weapon against an enemy is another enemy. When the enemy is internal, look to the outside for a focal point. I'm not saying that you should try to find me and make me the enemy, but find that central point that 90% of the team or better can use to refocus their energy. It will be galvanizing and revealing. Be careful of spending too much time focused on the external enemy. It can be exhausting and drain your operation of vital resources. Spending too much time looking outside and too much energy trying to defeat a fictitious enemy can cripple your operation. E.B. White was an American author. E.B. stands for Elwin Brooks. He wrote books you might recognize like Stuart Little, Charlotte's Web, and The Trumpet of the Swan. He also wrote one of the most time-consuming things is to have an enemy. That drain of focus could keep you from transitioning smoothly rather than transitioning with purpose. It is a balancing act. Some spend so much time focused on the enemy they forget about the goal. Others spend so much time driving the outcome they forget to build a cohesive team. The short-term goals and the long-term health must be balanced to have any kind of staying power. The next time you find yourself in a merger, acquisition, or sales situation, find a central focal point. 
It doesn't have to be an intercompany villain. It can be a perception or a misconception that is wrong about your business and the health of your business, or something else equal could bring your group together. Use it to create the best version of your team and be the best version of you. Let it be the comfort food necessary to satisfy the gaps in the hierarchy of needs. Let it be the fuel that propels you to the next level rather than derailing the operation. It seems to me, anyway, the best way to be part of the future is to be part of the team that leads it, the one that has the plans for the path forward, and sometimes that requires leading with a boogeyman. My new book, You Can't Lead from the Back of the Room, Nor Should You, is now available on Audible as an audiobook download. If you like what you have heard here today, please consider downloading a copy or two. You can always send one to a friend. Go to cdmediaconsulting.com right now and follow the instructions to order.